This podcast is for investment professionals only. It is not for distribution to retail investors. This material has been provided for information and educational purposes only. It is not an offer or solicitation to buy securities. The information provided and the views expressed in this podcast could change and are not necessarily the views of Premier Mighton. Reference to any stock, fund or investment should not be considered advice or an investment recommendation. Any reference to past performance is not a guide to future returns and the value of investments can fall as well as rise. You're listening to the Bright Thinking series from Premier Mighton, a regular podcast on investment views from Premier Mighton's fund management team. I'm Emma Mogford, fund manager of Premier Mighton's monthly income and optimum income funds. In this podcast, I wrap up a series of three podcasts by lifting the bonnet on some well-known companies. In my last two podcasts, I've been talking about why I believe we could be at a major turning point in markets. The decade of ultra-low monetary policy ended in 2020. No doubt COVID and the Russian invasion of Ukraine were important catalysts in this trend change. In addition, I believe there are important underlying trends which mean the next decade could be quite different for investors than the last. Please note that all data I mention in this podcast is from Bloomberg as of the 23rd of November 2022, unless stated otherwise. As a quick recap, there are three key trends which may support a more normal interest rate environment. To give today's environment some context, interest rates in the UK averaged 3.3% from 2000 to 2022. And in the decade before the global financial crisis, when base rates dropped rapidly to provide some much needed liquidity in markets, the average interest rate was 5%. That's 1997 to 2007. So firstly, there's been a significant increase in the amount of government intervention in the UK economy and elsewhere in the developed markets. Government spending, in my view, tends not to be allocated to the most productive parts of the economy and has recently been inflationary. Secondly, the climate crisis has two important consequences. More severe weather events could have an impact on supply chains and food production. Secondly, we need to replace currently productive electricity and manufacturing plants with new greener forms which will cost money. The environmental debt created by decades of overuse of cheap fossil fuels now needs to be paid back. I believe this will contribute to lower growth and could be inflationary. Thirdly and finally, globalisation is slowing down. As China gets closer to the US's superpower status, there were always going to be questions about how the two coexisted peacefully. The Thulidices trap, it has been termed. The balance of power is shifting to Asia, driven by rapid growth in GDP per capita in the most populous countries. The GDP of India recently overtook the UK. Trade tensions and national barriers, which are a solution to populist politics, are unfortunately negative for growth and inflation. To be clear, the future I foresee is not one of hyperinflation, but I do think interest rates are unlikely to go back to the zero bound. In my last insight note, I explained why the UK market, with its mature companies and low valuation, could be well placed to benefit from a decade which is less driven by falling interest rates. Talking about the attractive attributes of our domestic market, the UK market can sometimes feel a little bit of an abstraction, So I've picked out a couple of real-time examples. What ties them together is that they have valuation metrics, which I would consider cheaper than their international peers. They're all profitable, either because their industry has attractive characteristics, or the company has identified a niche where there are barriers to entry, 
preventing new competitors driving down margins. Finally, they all choose to pay a reasonable proportion of their profits out as dividends. Despite regular advertising of its spread betting services on Bloomberg TV and in underground stations, IG Group is a less well-known FTSE 250 stock with a market cap of over 3 billion. In the last two years, the company has grown its sales by 49%, thanks to investments in new geographies such as Japan, and due to the greater interest in trading amongst investors in the UK and Europe, their established markets. The company's share price of 824p is seven times their earnings per share in 2022 of 118p. This compares favourably to the current PE of the UK FTSE All Share Index, 14 times, and 19.4 times for the S&P 500 index in the US. IG Group is impressively profitable in my view, with an operating margin of 49% last year. The company has a solid long-term history of paying dividends. In the last 12 months, they've paid out 44p in dividends, which is a dividend yield of 5.4% on today's price of 824p. This is a good example of a company that can succeed in the new economic environment. Thanks to having more cash than debt, they directly benefit from higher interest rates. I like that today's valuation of the shares looks to be much more based on cash profits it makes today. GlaxoSmithKline is an iconic brand in the FTSE 100 and a top global player in the pharmaceutical industry. While the company struggled to generate growth in recent years, the management team have increased their potential for success by spinning off the non-core businesses and increasing investment in research and development. Today, the share price is just 10.1 times the forecast earnings in 2022, which is below the UK market and below many international peers. Based on the same metric, Bloomberg calculates the medium, that is the the middle value in a set of data, price to earnings for European and US large pharma companies to be 14 times. The large pharmaceutical industry has high barriers to entry by new competitors due to the stringent regulation around the approval of new drugs. Thanks to these regulatory brick walls, GlaxoSmithKline has an operating margin of 33%. It's true, they did have to reduce their dividend payment as part of their new, more focused strategy, but they continue to indicate on their website towards 40 to 60% of their profits to be paid out as dividends. Finally, National Grid. Every time I start singing the praises of National Grid, one of my colleagues will quote Warren Buffett by saying, beware the investment activity that produces applause. The great moves are usually greeted by yawns. I could not agree more in this case. For me, National Grid epitomises the beauty of investing in boring stocks. Over the last five years, the total return, with dividends reinvested, from investing in National Grid shares has been 53%, which is 32% better than the FTSE All Share Index, and there's nothing boring about that. Perhaps some investors look only at the 19% price return and miss the other 32% return through dividends. The company are building critical electricity infrastructure, which is required for the transition to net zero in their markets, the the US and the UK, as mentioned above. The company also fits with the profile of what I believe will work well in the new era, framed with a valuation based more on current profits rather than the promise of growth. The epitome of a jam today company with a clear commitment to shareholder dividends. The company management has said it aims to grow its dividend per share in line with inflation, 
even in the face of higher inflation and higher interest rates, due to the structure of the regulatory environment they operate in. The future is uncertain, but forward-looking underlying trends I see point me to think we are entering an environment of moderate inflation and moderate interest rates. I believe that investing in quality companies at a reasonable price is coming back into favour. This makes investing in the UK market and the likes of companies I've detailed above an important bit of forward thinking. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this episode interesting. Look out for other episodes in the Bright Thinking series. This podcast is for investment professionals only and is issued by Premier Might and Investors, which is the marketing name for Premier Portfolio Managers Limited and Premier Fund Managers Limited, which are authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. The value of investments can fall as well as rise. Thank you.